I wish more and more people would start their businesses without looking at the age, right? At all. It's never too early, never too late. Our guest today is an MIT Bootcamps alumni, founder at World Woman and Alza Boutiques, Facebook Fellow, One Young World Ambassador Delegate Speaker, and a devoted mother. We are truly honored to have you as our featured speaker today, Sara. Thank you so much for being willing to share your journey with us. Thank you. Thank you for inviting. It's uh, I really miss you guys and was really excited to be a part of this. I'm excited to have this chance to reconnect with you. Um, so I was wondering if you could start by telling us about your experience growing up and some of the early life events and mentors that influenced your personal and professional development. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, well, I was born in Azerbaijan. Uh, that's um, like to give you an overview, it's a post-Soviet country with a Muslim majority, even so uh, not practicing much, but still quite a traditionally conservative culture, which is changing and becoming more and more open. It was every year, literally. So now it's been, um, I've been in business for nine years and things changed like drastically in the country and in the region as well. Well, if you talk about my childhood, I was quite an active one from day one, I guess, from school and stuff. And for me, I literally always was asking why. I think that was one of the things which like my parents always tell me is like they would never tell me just no or yes or something. And I would always require the why, why I can't do that. Uh, and often go against <laughs> whatever. If I didn't get a proper, in my opinion, uh, explanation, then I would go with like, okay, then I'm just going to do that. Right. And um, I think one of the big events which affected um, like my further journey was the divorce of my parents uh, when I was seven. It wasn't something very usual back then especially because women wouldn't really divorce because that would mean very kind of bad reputation and name and pressure from society. Um, but my mother was very brave, I would say, and uh, she's still kind of a role model for me to go against all the, what it has to be, you know, like what all the pressures of society and stuff. So she went with her desires. I didn't want to accept any pressure and like the, the way things were let's put it that way for now that was very quite a tough period but because there was super little money you know like um it was my sister myself grandmother great-grandmother and a cat <laughs> so um my mom was taking care of all of us and uh she has been an example for me of going for what she believes in and what she dreams about. And from just, uh, uh, you know, uh, a girl, 
she was a lawyer. She became a judge uh, on her own, which is a very rare thing uh, here. So from zero, she learned and beca became a judge in uh, um, in her area, like getting on the higher levels. Uh, well, and that's one, I guess, which was affecting me a lot, uh, this uh, desire uh, to be independent, um, to, like, I, I understood early on that if I want to have a choice and a say, I need to be financially independent as well. So actually, when starting my own, uh, my own business at 18 with just $200 the first time, it, that was my motivation. I wanted a financial independence and I didn't know how to find that at 18 otherwise. So I thought, well, why don't I start my own business? Yeah, so that's one. And I think the second thing which influenced me quite a lot was uh, dancing. I was dancing professionally for 10 years, sports, ballroom dancing. And uh, we were five times national champions and was the first ones to represent Azerbaijan on world championships. So back then for like 11 year old girl to go outside, it was for the first time to Germany and then travel around the world, see how the world is, um, see like literally how different it can be. That taught me a lot and, um, learn, I, and I learned discipline with dancing. I remember like if you, you asked about mentors, I guess my dance teacher was my first mentor. I will never forget the time when I was like doing, he was making me do like 50 push-ups for like 13 year old girl, right? So on the 48, I was already like, you know, falling down, like wasn't able to do more. And then he looked at me, like I was all in already, you know, like the sweat and all of that. And then he looked at me and said, again, <laughs> because I didn't get to the 50, you know? So uh, that was a very rough school, which taught me a lot, helped me a lot in the early stages of business. But now I try to do it very differently, actually, not through the power, but um, much more to enjoy things and in a lighter manner without this pressure on myself. Thank you very much for your detailed answer on that. So you've already started to touch on it in your answer just then, but I thought I'd ask if there's anything uh, which inspired you to become an entrepreneur. For example, are there any uh, moments in your experiences that you can look back and say that sort of pushed me in this direction? Mm -hmm. I can't say any like specific moment, but I think um, this desire like for independence and freedom was like really key. And I was like, okay, like, because I, I looked at other, um, somehow around me, there were no adults who would really enjoy their work, except my mom. Uh, but my mom worked really, really hard. And I was like, oh my God, like, do I really have to work that much to make, you know, this money? <laughs> and she enjoys it, but I don't really want to be a lawyer <laughs> uh, or like a judge or something. Uh, so I got into ISEC, which is the biggest youth-run organization in the world. Maybe some of you heard of it. And there they started talking, you know, about let's make the world a better place through entrepreneurship uh, and stuff like this. And I, at the moment, it was literally in September, I went, I got into ISEC. In October, I started my 
my first business. Um, so it was, I think, related uh, and it gave the push. But honestly, I didn't really know the, wall, the word entrepreneurship because if you think about it, like just when I was born, the doing business was still illegal, right? Back in USSR, it was a criminal case if you do business. You couldn't. <laughs> it wasn't this mindset in my community, in my family. And for myself, it was just something super new. And it was more of like, a, uh, let's just do things. Let's do things which, which seem interesting and see what happens out of it. So I started like just a Facebook page, you know, and uh, started buying uh, dresses online from eBay and like AliExpress and all these uh, websites and bringing them here. And like it was like it was uh, literally just a super simple online store in the beginning, like not even an online store, literally a Facebook page, uh, which then transformed. Now it's a chain of boutiques of evening and wedding dresses. Isaac was a trigger, I would say, and but in general, this a desire for independence and freedom. And I think often people say like, "Oh my God, you started so early at 18. Uh, how did, have you done that?" And all of that. But I think it's much easier uh, to start actually when you're 18, because uh, you don't really have uh, much to lose. So you're just experimenting and um, trying things out and if you fail you fail um, right so now it's much harder and when I talk to people who are like um, 30 plus 25 plus I don't 40 plus they often there is a choice of like oh but what if I lose everything that I already have but that's a different um, conversation which I believe that still quite I, I think in MIT alumni there are lots of people who are like what is the oldest age actually i wonder between alumni starting their companies yeah i'm not sure what the answer is to that but there were definitely people in our class that were in their 50s at least yeah yes at least exactly exactly and i wish more and more people would start their businesses without looking at the age right at all it's never too early never too late that's a great piece of advice. You found financial independence, as you say, like so young. I, I think that's amazing, honestly, that that like your idea of financial independence was I'm going to start a business. Mine was like, I'm going to go mow lawns and babysit. So good for you. <laughs> that's amazing. <laughs> um, but I was wondering if there are any of your accomplishments that like really stand out to you, you know, that looking back like you're really glad not you know that it looks successful to the world but that it was really meaningful to you uh, you know with all the things like the facebook forbes uh, even getting into mit like i got the full scholarship back then which was like wow for me um all of this like really meant a lot and like i'm proud of that but if you say like what's more like on a personal level I think I'm like it, it was a tick when I got into a supermarket and I started like choosing anything I want, like buying stuff without looking at the price tag. That's when I understood that, okay, I think I achieved that point of my 
financial independence a little bit when I can go into a supermarket, when I can go into a store and not look at the price tag. Maybe that's not the smartest thing to do from the financial point of view, you know, but mentally overall, that meant really a lot. As much the same as uh, covering my, uh, it happened that at 19, when I was 19, the business started kicked off and was doing like quite, it was super small uh, as the first year. But my mom lost her job, so my sister, my diabetic grandmother, uh, my mom who was very depressed uh, because she put all her life into this. And like there was a mortgage, uh, car credit and all of this. So I was 19 and all of the I got in a matter of basically two weeks, I was responsible for everyone. So being able to uh, cover the mortgage, cover the car, take care of my grandma, my family, and until now, actually, financially support them is uh, something I'm proud of. So, uh, yeah, yeah. So that's like on a, on a personal, personal level. Yeah. And I think also and another thing is to travel. Like, literally, I'm so happy that I've been not uh, sitting down and I, I've traveled to over 40 countries. Um, and I took this because it's not something... Um, usual to do when you have you're taking care of the family you are uh, running like three businesses and travel at the same time in Azerbaijan at least and you're a, a girl you know like they also like there's quite a lot of conservative uh, pressures like my dad would not talk to me uh, for quite a long time because of uh, me doing what I've been doing the business the travel and all of this like being free actually Right, so I'm proud um, that I didn't listen to anyone and just did what I wanted to. Wow. I mean, uh, thank you so much for sharing that with us. Um, I think it is very inspirational to find like that you've gone through difficult times, but sort of been able to push through and do as you want. I think that's really cool. W one thing I wanted to ask is if you have a uh, guiding vision or, or philosophy which has helped you make decisions in as you go through your life, um, particularly in regards to career. So especially in a scenario where you have two options that seem very similar, how do you sort of differentiate? Uh, well, you got to look, I guess, at your values, what, is, what drives you the most. Uh, until now, actually, I've got lots of... Um, Proposals, for example, which I refused because even so it was very, very attractive uh, from um, a reputation point of view, from financial point of view, uh, even like it would be fun, maybe, but that would go against my main value, which was um, is still, you know, independence and freedom. Uh, so I didn't go with it. Maybe that kept me from you know some kind of exponential growth because like i didn't i never got any investments so that would be a good uh, example i guess uh, until now i'm 27 right now uh, so as from 18 i started until now i never worked anywhere uh, so it was only my own businesses for by now and uh, I never got an investment. So it was all bootstrapped as it bootstrapped from $200 back then. And then the rest of the businesses was, um, were financed by my first one. 
right? So um, why? And sometimes people like some of the things you can't really do without uh, big investments, right? Some of the things you can't do maybe without co-founders and stuff. Um, but for me, somehow it was, I really appreciated more my ability to travel anywhere I want, do what I want, you know, like um, take a break or work, um, be in the company when I like, I set up systems, I set up teams, I basically uh, manage everything remotely for the last, what, six years now. So for six years, I don't live uh, in my home country and where most of the businesses are. Um, so I think that's an example of like, once you know your personal values, uh, it's much easier to make a choice. Um, even because there will be different, very attractive, cool, very similar, as you said, choices. And um, yeah, once you know what, what is more in priority for you, and that can change different, different periods of time. Um, your values, your priorities will change most likely. So, from, but for me, it still stays the, um, yeah, the freedom and independence still stays well, for me. And the second one being my family, um, like now my own family, my husband and my kiddo, being able to spend more time with them and all of this. I mean, I, I think it's amazing that you can keep both of those things in in your focus and i mean family i have a big family and uh and you know your career ambitions those are both things that can take huge amounts of time and energy so i have great respect that you you drive them both in the way you do i'm very impressed by that i was wondering if you can kind of help us understand um a little bit better and i know you touched on it a bit but some of the, you know, social and other biases and pressures that you faced and had to work through in your entrepreneurial journey. Generally, there's things like um, that you can't do business in Azerbaijan because, again, as I mentioned before, it was a criminal. Then there was this 90s. Only they, they were saying that only people in power up there could start their businesses. There was lots of monopoly, uh, corruption, and the pressure of uh, being a girl, a woman, and then being a young woman. Um, for example, when in my store, the police would come, you know, the tax collectors would come to the store and say like, hey, call for director. And I would come out in my jeans, sneakers, you know, like 45 kilos, 18-year-old <laughs> girl. Um, I would come out and they wouldn't really want to talk to me. They were like, no, 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 call the real director. Because often there was that, you know, the big man would uh, start their companies, but just write it officially on their daughter names or something like this, um, their wives and stuff. Um, and they literally didn't want to believe that it was me who started this and was like in charge. Uh, I literally once had to call my dad, like give the phone to them. And my dad told them like, guys, I have no idea what she's doing there. I have nothing to do with this. You really got to talk to her. <laughs> and only after that, they were like, okay, let's talk to her. And um, yeah, and, and back then, like when you were like, 
20 or so um, and big guys come on you and like uh, push and um, ask for money, you know, say that you cannot do this or that because it is monopolized by someone else. It's it's scary. It's uh, like now I, I still I'm now I'm literally not sure how exactly I I've done this, <laughs> but I think this um, fake it until you make it worked. I was like scared as hell and like um, worried and stuff, but I pretended to be very confident, you know, to go into this, talk to them, fight with them, literally like go and say like, I don't care that wedding dresses are monopolized, but only this one guy, like, you know, I, I, I fought till the end. Um, so this is something, I guess, extra, <laughs> um, you know, uh, that, to go through uh, being being there but now things have changed a lot literally um the government is supporting small businesses they are trying to create the opportunities more and more uh they understood that um everything cannot oil will not last forever and we need to diversify economy and you know all of this stuff Slowly but surely things are changing and I hope the, it will continue in this good direction. Uh, and I'm glad that there is this kind of, I can be um, kind of a role model for quite a lot of young women uh, in Azerbaijan to show that things are possible. Thank you very much. It's awesome to hear that things are moving in a good direction. It's um, obviously unfortunate that they weren't there before, but it is awesome to see the, the change over time. Um, I was hoping to get your perspective on what you think makes a good leader. Can you share any specific examples that helped you personally evolve as a leader? This is always like, somehow this is always a hard question for me because um, I think quite a lot of things were just happening naturally for me, but... I literally just by practice, I never, I, I didn't even read much. Like there wasn't much theory uh, in there. It was just by practice, just doing things and seeing like, okay, this worked out well. This didn't really work out that good. Maybe next time I can change and talk to my uh, team like this, you know. Um, but I think um, empathy has been one of the key things in my leadership journey. Uh, that I really always try to be empathic and um, understand people and no matter um, how many people I had in the team, literally be there for them as much as I can, both personally, and, like not only as a, you know, a business owner or a founder or CEO or something, but literally personally as well. Um, and I think what makes a good leader is ability to hear people that he or she are trying to lead to not really like to really listen to really uh, hear what they're saying maybe even when what they're not saying i think i guess what empathy this is what empathy is right um, like to go uh to see in advance when someone like sometimes i literally i know my the feelings and like what my team member will do even before he does that <laughs> that helps uh, a lot in the team dynamics 
and I and taking into consideration that I've done most of it uh, digitally. So you can say like it's possible even in the current circumstances when everything is online. And to to know why you started, like why you do what you do, because quite often things get really hard. And um, sometimes you have this feelings like, oh my God, why did I even start this? <laughs> it's so hard. And you're like, you're thinking of giving up or something like this. And uh, this didn't really happen to me in the past few years, but in the beginning, it, because it's more stable now. Um, but in the beginning, it was very challenging. and the question which would help me to keep going to keep leading everyone was was why why did i do why did i start this whole thing in the beginning right so i think asking asking your why's as uh, like showing the empathy and feeling your team members like being in connection with them especially with the key ones and the kind of setting up this culture um helped me a lot um like i don't want to go into the classical you know it's like what the good leader should do uh i'm sure like people here have heard and read about all of this like a zillion times so i tried to point out the little things which worked uh for me uh the most honestly i think the the empathy factor that you touched on is um completely underrated but i I 100% love that you brought that up um, and, and just coming, coming back to that purpose um, and, and helping other, other people understand that that's, that's really amazing. So it, it makes sense to me why you've been so successful as a leader. Um, what, what obstacles would you say you've faced um, that you might want to caution other people about? I would say, uh, like this whole thing with try fast, fail fast, I really support it. Um, you know, the thing is that we read so much, we hear uh, so much, we talk to people, we go to the boot camps and all of that. Uh, and we kind of know all of it. But once we are in it, like on the spot, somehow things Quite like you forget everything you learned in theory <laughs> quite often, right? Uh, so I want to emphasize this this super banal and classical try fast, uh, fail fast actually works. Um, worked for me a number of times, uh, many times. So I would say like not to be afraid to uh, to fail. Literally, like as banal as it may sound, uh, and fail as fast as you can to get up and go um, go in again um this mvp thing that we learned as well right like the i didn't even know before like coming to uh the boot camp about mvp you know and things like this but i was just doing it kind of somehow naturally um that's also uh something like once i would start my projects and businesses with going with a minimal viable product with like trying small and um changing adapting very fast it would work as soon as i would go with like oh let's write a big business plan plan it all out perfectly and all of that stuff it never worked uh so I, together with my like successful four businesses i have those uh which didn't work out as well, you know, even on, almost only on the idea stage, 
it didn't work out. So, um, and I, I didn't invest too much time into it. So I would say, um, like try things as fast as you can and uh, iterate and adapt as fast as you can as well. I think with the pandemic, we now everyone, if before, I think entrepreneurs were the ones who were most ready for the pandemic because we're used to changes uh, all the time <laughs> and uh, kind of, you know, this anti-fragile uh, uh, concept that we talked about at the bootcamp as well. I think entrepreneurs are those who are like the most anti-fragile. But overall in the world, the world has seen now that things change all the time. So the more adaptive you are, the faster you will go through all the obstacles. Yeah. So that's why even you, like when you ask me for like any specific obstacles, I can say like there wasn't anything big right away, but just this because I was doing iterations very fast. So it was something small over and over and over again. Hello, Sarah. First of all, uh, thank you so much for sharing your journey. It has been very, very inspiring. And I have a few questions. Uh, once you started your journey with your businesses, how was the reaction from the locals? I mean, were they open and supportive uh, on your idea? And also, how about being 18 and dealing with employees who maybe were older than you? How did you manage that? Thank you. Thank you, Carlos, for the questions. Um, so the locals, it's your circle of influence, right? Like my family, for example, initially they were like, oh, okay, let's let just her have fun. You know, she's still young and like, um, they didn't believe that anything serious come out, can come out of this. And things changed a lot a year later when I was 19, you know, and like had to take care of the whole family. Um, so one, I think one of the key things which my surrounding, my family uh, supported me with that they didn't do anything, they didn't stop me, which is a rare thing because uh, lots of family members always say, oh, you know, this will not work out, don't do that, or like, why are you wasting your time or something like this. So in my case, they didn't support me actively, but they also didn't do all of this uh, stopping. Um, they didn't stop me, right? So that's one. If we talk about community in general, initially it was like um, this belief that something serious can come out of this, but later on now I'm kind of a local uh, star, <laughs> you know, a role model for many for doing things like, you know, going on TV, interviews, radio, all of that, because that's something not usual back home. But, uh, but when we talk about someone older, like literally almost everyone was older than me, my employees as well, like tailors, for example, they were like 50 year old ones and stuff. I think this, my, me being really transparent being often vulnerable, being honest, a hundred percent, and being human. I don't know how to like say it in a different way, but literally just looking at every person, not as like like how he, how old he is, what's his experience, and all of that, but connecting on a human level, that would get me some kind of um, respect, I would say, from those older. 
and also I was lucky that um, people around started like once they one when they were meeting me the first time they were like oh like wh who is this like like and but five minutes later once I would be you know the uh, faking the confidence or like literally trying to be uh, open and honest why I'm here what I want from them and like stuff like this they I would get I think a double kind of respect and admiration for being young so it was actually a plus for me because they would be like oh wow okay she's so young but she looks like she knows some stuff so it would be fun to uh, work with her but it hasn't been always so you know pinky and nice and beautiful so there were like tough challenges i had experience with employees like much older than myself bones like oh uh you know uh why do you tell me what to do something like this but that was like maybe once or twice overall i don't even remember when it happened because as i mentioned it was always more of a human connection and i tried not to look at the age but go with a respect and you know as they say with the kids right now like my my baby is like uh eight weeks old and i tried to look at him as a you know, a separate, uh, he, had, he has an identity, he has, he's a, a separate human being, you know, uh, and I need to respect his uh, desires, uh, um, you know, thoughts, opinions, and all of that, even if he is still now eight weeks old. So, yeah, that was my approach with age difference. Thank you so much for sharing your experience. Hello, yeah, thank you so, so much. Uh, I'm also amazed and the story is really inspiring. Um, so my name is Jack and my question is, how are you able to make uh, the business profitable? Um, how are you able to handle the business model, like the supply and then the selling price um, to be able to make sale like in, in the market when you were starting? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, thank you, great question. So in general, so how, how made it profitable? I think one of the key things, I mean, of course, it's a um, product market fit. When I started, I first started bringing literally kind of selling everything I could find for which I liked personally. Um, but then I saw that specifically evening and wedding dresses had bigger margins and um, were more like uh, there was more demand for it. So uh, I, I cut out everything else and started focusing on one thing. So I think focus on a specific product is quite important. For the first time, employee, uh, entrepreneurs are often go for like, I will do everything for everyone, right? Uh, so choosing your target audience, the classics, uh, choosing um, and testing the product market fit does work so uh, i was testing with a number of products i found the match i went with it further that's one um, another thing that because it was all bootstrapped and i didn't have investments from outside um i was very careful with every single dollar that i spent so lots of stuff i was getting for free i was doing collaborations you know when when you don't have money <laughs> you get creative um, I think uh, once you have maybe I don't know like you raised the million and uh, 
well, it's very different. So bootstrapping is very different from the um, classical venture investments, I think, and especially when you're 18, right? Um, so I was very careful with everything I spent. I was using lots of free stuff. I was uh, doing lots of collaborations. Like my margins were very good. So when selling, so at, at some point in the beginning, when like, of course, the, the revenues were not so big, but still I had 50% profit, right? So it's like a revenue and a 50% profit that allowed me to reinvest quite a bit. And uh, of course, the margins became uh, smaller later on when I started hiring more team members, uh, you know, not doing everything on my own and stuff. I, actually, I had a, a team from day one. I uh, recruited uh, girls, young girls, just as myself. It was a very serious recruitment process, you know, with uh, all the interviews, the application forms, group interviews, testing period. And they were coming to work for free for experience and for percentage sales. <laughs> um, so, you know, they needed experience. I needed workforce. <laughs> Everyone was happy. And they started like, because we were doing this, uh, we were doing this together. There was this, all this mission. I think it also what worked for us. We were not only doing business, but we were proving others wrong. <laughs> you know, so often negative motivation is quite uh, strong and even stronger than positive. So no one be like, because people didn't believe that a bunch of uh, young girls can do like the real business. It was so motivational for us to to show that we can, um, yeah, that we uh, they were working really hard for very little pay. <laughs> uh, but later on, like just literally a year later, all were doing uh, very good, and still I have some team members working with me who like from day who joined me like nine years ago uh, and doing very well. So, um, yeah, I think keeping, taking care of the budgets, like literally even when we started and, and as soon as we started having very good revenues, profits and all of this and had money to invest, there was this, uh, I think half a year when I was like, oh my God, we have all this money. We need to do like how it's the things properly, you know, like, oh, let's have, um, let's invest into a better furniture. Let's invest into a better marketing. Let's do this and that. And then I realized that, you know, I invested all of this money, um, but um, the return wasn't that good. <laughs> so I adapted, uh, I went back to my former bootstrapping mindset being like, okay, let's, uh, let's actually not just throw money around, but think through. And um, yeah, that's, I think, how, how we kept the, the profits uh, uh, high until now. But again, this is different from venture investing, I think, when you have a, a, like a very different. Um, but I think it helps um, to, to look at things from this point of view and maybe it will help when you have big investments as well uh, to try to stay neat with the money <laughs> it's like yeah on the system point of view it might be different like with venture investment but when it comes like to the actual practice of entrepreneurship i think like i mean 
it's always the, the same. Like, I mean, having the approach of like how you handle budget, how you choose like the, the right target and everything. Yeah, I mean, it's still relevant. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you for the questions. Thank you so much, Zara. I do appreciate hearing about these sorts of things. And I do think there should be a, a more of a philosophy similar to yours in companies like venture that generally go to capital investment. Because I, I feel like getting on the uh, investment treadmill, so to speak, can be quite dangerous for a lot of startups. But one thing I wanted to get your perspective of is how you define success for yourself personally and professionally. Is there a difference in the way you measure it or is it similar between the two? Mm -hmm. um, well, I think before it was uh, like, I needed all of this um, classical, what is considered to be a success, you know, get on a Forbes list, uh, make a million, uh, you know, uh, all of this uh, stuff. Uh, but now it's very different. I literally, um, for me right now, my professional success only correlates with my personal one. Because uh, if I'm, even if I'm professionally getting a millions or getting on a Forbes or like whatever other um, classical achievement bullet points you have, um, if that doesn't make me happy, if that doesn't make me healthy, if that doesn't let me enjoy my time with a family, enjoy the weather, the travel, the world, you know, then um, then it's not worth it uh, for me at this stage of life. So if to answer your question before, it was kind of like really um, like just, I guess, as for many, I was getting the business metrics you know to achieve kpis to do this and that um but now it's more more on an internal uh happiness and harmony um if it all fits then it fits if not then i postpone it or actually say no to an opportunity at all um that's on one side and on another side because one of my um um, businesses is a social business so the success there was the impact you don't count it in uh, profits but on the impact that you've done um, so and I think until now this has been um, this is still my main um, measure kind of of success is how much impact have I done how many women did I help in my case like in wow woman uh, we kind of count how many women did we help to become financially independent so she can have a choice and a say you know so that she can have um, the freedom to choose if she wants to stay in uh, maybe violent relationships like more obviously most likely not right uh, if she so she can take care of her children of herself and not be stuck in where she in um, like in bad situations right so that's how i measure my own success also by the number of lives changed i hope i can say it that way yeah i think that's that's really commendable and that's an amazing way to measure your success too i i like that you do, you don't measure 
um, your impact in, in a dollar amount? Uh, so the dollar amounts are also very important, right? And uh, actually it was like when I say to other, like being able, uh, um, but for me, it's not in dollars themselves, but what they allow me to do actually. Like if I, um, right, uh, if I have the choice of to go anywhere I want, like um, like today or tomorrow, and like support the family, support the community and stuff, that's success for me. Uh, I like personally, I don't currently for now, I don't need yachts or um, airplanes, but I may want that after 30 or something. I don't know. <laughs> you know, we change, right? <laughs> um, I think that's a great point. Yeah. And, and hopefully, you know, if, if you're really driving that value system, like the, the money part comes alongside that. Yeah. I mean, that said, I think you have a lot of integrity, but you're also a very good businesswoman too. So I didn't mean to downplay that at all. <laughs> Thank you. So, so how do you find your personal balance between um, work, family life, and everything else that you're passionate about? I think if like to be practical, I delegate. <laughs> I delegate a lot of things. I delegate, um, like I try literally not to do things which I don't like and which I'm not good at. Um, but that's concerns both business-wise and personally. Like at home, I until 18, living with my mom and grandmother, I was spoiled, uh, you know, with grandma not giving us, us any work in the kitchen, you know, like, you know, not the classical, because in Azerbaijan, in the classical role of a woman to be on the kitchen, uh, to wash and clean and uh, cook and all of that. My grandmother was doing all of this until I was 18. And then once I started having business, even as soon as I made even little money, I was hiring uh, staff uh, housekeeping, to do all the stuff around the house. So like that is like, this is actually a lot of work, a lot of time. It's like literally time consuming. So um, when you say like how, like often I get this question very often, like how do I do like the business and the home and family and kids and all of that, kid one. <laughs> um, I delegate, I have the, and I try to get help as much as I can. Uh, and I think that was actually also a very key thing in business because when I started, I was trying to do everything on my own. Even if I would get the team members, I would still do lots of stuff on my own. Um, and at one point, I think I realized that I am breaking down, <laughs> uh, burning out, and I realized that I need help. And once I started asking for help, I realized that people like, like yes you get lots of no's but you also get lots of yes you get lots of support and uh, it's okay to ask for help uh it's great to ask for help um so i try now like whenever i need help in no matter business or personal uh, life i ask for it and i even organize it for myself Right. So, for example, with a kiddo, uh, with a baby, I can spend quality time with him, like, you know, uh, be there for him and not worry about, um, I don't know, cooking. And the same in business. Um, like, I try to get 
to take care of my team. Uh, so now currently, like I, I, I'm not CEO in my companies uh, anymore. I have CEO in each of the businesses. Um, and my, I see my main role as being more of like a kind of like a, almost like a coach to them, like a supporter and um, mentor to the management team in each of the companies, but they do the work. Of course, it hasn't been this, like this always. It's only maybe last two or three years. Initially, I worked quite a lot, but uh, and there was no balance. <laughs> it was just work 24 seven, um, but I enjoyed it a lot. Um, and, you know, I, I don't know how I, I didn't sleep for maybe like I could sleep for three, four hours a day and I was okay going and doing things and like working. I enjoyed it so much. I know it was hard, but I was all in. Uh, now, if you tell me to sleep three or four hours, I would die. <laughs> I need my seven, eight hours. I told, I was saying this up until eight weeks ago. Now I'm back to three, four hours quite often <laughs> with a baby. <laughs> um, but I guess it, there is a different hormonal level <laughs> playing, which is helping me to survive right now. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. I think... Uh babies are one of the thing one of the things that in our lives that we don't really get to choose about how much sleep we get anymore exactly yes thank you yes. so much for that detailed answer um i was hoping we could ha also have a look at sort of um major pivots or deviations from a plan so if if you've gone through any sort of major pivots or deviations from your plan and how you went about dealing with those situations mm-hmm um, actually, yes. Um, so in the first business, it was first initially, um, so my business model is renting. Maybe like those who are in US know this big uh, startup by now business, Rent the Runway. So that's that's my model. I rent out uh, evening and wedding dresses. And uh, initially people didn't get understand that. They were like, oh, uh, like I, I don't want to get anything from others. And I was talking about um, you know, environment and consumerism and all of that. And there was zero, like very little response to this. But once we started talking in um, their language, in a way, in on a mass scale of like, get a new photo for Instagram every time you go on a wedding, for example, uh, things completely changed. And people are like, oh yeah, maybe it's actually good to rent stuff, not to buy. Now, like in the past two, three years, conversation went back again to um, environment and uh, consumerism and all of this. But nine years ago, this trick, this pivot in the way we communicate uh, to our customers uh, helped a lot. When we, if you ask me about the pivot of literally the product, the business, with Wow Woman um, educational platform, uh, we've done a number of pivots uh, on a business. So outside, we would stay the same kind of, uh, but inside from financial model, uh, we had to change a number of times from, because it, I, it started as a kind of like a social project and then became a social business. Because if initially I was just uh, supporting it, sponsoring it myself from other businesses, 
then I realized that in order for it to be sustainable and to, uh, to last for long, I need to make the, uh, the social project as a social business. It needs to cover uh, its own expenses and to even make uh, profits, um, which would be reinvested again um, back into business. So we made a number of, a number of pivots would be hard to like uh, it would be too long I think to tell about each of them uh, but um, but changing quite fast I think what helped definitely helped us to stay uh, still alive until now that company is now uh, six years old uh, and from the last ones actually interestingly like one well, one of the last uh, projects I've done was a co-working space and um, co-working space, a community space, uh, which then became partially like a business cafe. Um, also, same story, like we started, we were planning to be only a co-working with like for, uh, with uh, kids' room, mother's room. Um, it was like very big one in the city center with a terrace and all. Um, but then realized that people are not used to paying for the time. Um, but they're used to paying for food. <laughs> so we actually built a whole like full functional kitchen inside of the co-working space and built a restaurant. And just by in a matter of two months, without realizing this myself, I got into a restaurant business. <laughs> um, like like knowing nothing about it, it was very challenging. Uh, but that what saved us and um, I actually sold this business a few months ago uh, before the pandemic <laughs> uh, because uh, like it was a very good deal. So I sold it out um, and basically I was selling a restaurant. Um, so yeah, yeah, we changed because like I, I was um, and I think we survived and like not just survived, but uh, like we're successful and I made a very good exit out of this because I changed again, like pivoted very fast. So I look at numbers every single day uh, and I make decisions fast. Uh, so I think that's helped a lot. So even, you know, as you can see, like from a co-working to a restaurant business in a matter of two weeks <laughs> or two months, sorry. <laughs> wow, that's pretty amazing. Yeah, inspiration for others. If you see that things are not working out, uh, really try try something different inside of this. Like try the pivoting um, quite often works, but it's like this very narrow line between like this feeling of when is the right time to push through until the end, you know, until like that thing work out or you need to pivot. It's very hard and I think there is no one single recipe for knowing when is the right time to pivot or to push through. Um, yeah, it's very individual, but also uh, one's intuition. Um, sometimes we should listen to ourselves and to our intuition very deeply. There are lots of business uh, 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 you know, advices and numbers and all, but at the end of the day, we are emotional creatures and um, our intuition can help us <laughs> to make a proper decision. Yeah. Do you, do you think that's something you've cultivated 
over time? Or, I mean, uh, do, do you think it's something that you've always had that ability to trust your intuition and be decisive and stick to your decision? I think that um, I, I did have a good, like something, I don't know, naturally or what you say, but definitely it was cultivated. When you, you lit, like when you uh, purposefully um, sit down and write, like for what, what I use, for example, I just sit down and I start writing. Like I start putting things out to see how I, uh, to really try to listen to my inner voice or whatever you can call it, um, right? Uh, and once you do this over and over and over again, you can, you start hearing it much, uh, much better, much faster. It's not always right, uh, of course, uh, but it definitely helped me a lot um, uh, to listen to my, uh, intuition and inner voice. Yeah. I really appreciate all of your answers and I realize we've gone a little bit past the hour. Um, do you, do you have time for a couple more questions or should we just kind of wrap it up here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't want to take your time for granted. <laughs> no, thank you. Sorry for it. It's been too long. Uh, I haven't, I actually haven't spoken English for like, I think three years now. So I'm sorry for not, um, you know, being slow sometimes and finding the words and all of this. I would never have known that. <laughs> yeah. Not at all. Your, your English is amazing. Probably better than mine. Thank you. Everyone speaks Russian here. So I speak um the same uh i speak in russian and uh i started before i would read and all of this in english but now uh, i don't use it that much but I, i'm trying <laughs> i'm learning that that english is not the most interesting language to read in <laughs> no it's uh I, I miss actually i miss i will go back to reading in english again like this was actually a very good motivation for me today i realized that i need to get my english back <laughs> Well, we're we're happy to give you an excuse. Yeah. <laughs> so I I was wondering. I mean, you talked a lot about where you've been, where you um, envision yourself going. If you have a next step in your entrepreneurial journey in mind. Well, I'm. I guess on. I'm more on a sabbatical <laughs> in my entrepreneurial journey for um, like literally a pause uh, for motherhood for a bit. It was a planned motherhood and I really wanted to enjoy it and not to um, uh, to do something new uh, again. But what I see, it's been eight weeks and for the last two weeks, I'm already like looking for something new. I am currently uh, helping and consulting some of the businesses um, on, um, you know, non-official that also that's very comfortable you know just on an hourly rate or like how and um, some auction in the company um auction no no what, what is the right word in um, um in english again <laughs> you know you know, like the percentage of the company and uh, hourly rate so i consult some of the businesses but i don't plan to start my something like big on my own in the near like half a year um, but after half a year i plan to go into something new i don't know what yet um i'm really interested in environmental um 
you know, this whole climate change thing, they really care about it. So I, ha I don't have any experience in this, but last week, for example, I already have two calls with um, some friends of mine who are in climate change uh, startups, uh, like who are working on this. Um, yeah, and I'm thinking of maybe joining them somehow or have starting my own <laughs> in the next, uh, in the near future. So nothing specific, but more of an exploration mode and um, taking a little break mode for now. Yeah, I don't know for how long. I thought that it will last for longer, but now I understand that <laughs> it won't. The break won't last too much. I need uh, to do stuff. I need to create stuff. Like that's my own um, type of fun, okay, or what you call it. Like how how to say it properly. Uh, I need to start new things, new companies and uh, projects, whatever. Yeah. You've got that sort of itch to, to do something. Yes, yes, yes. So I don't know what yet exactly, but I, uh, as soon as I get my seven hours of sleep back, I think I will be back on track on my entrepreneurial journey. <laughs> Optimistic view, but I think good luck. One last question from me was, but what do you think has been the best lesson or takeaway from your journey? Do you have some sort of words of wisdom, so to say, you might want to leave us off with? Well, I will go with um, putting the mask on yourself, you know, first, as in the airplane. Uh, put the mask on yourself first and only then on your child. For entrepreneurs, uh, I think often their businesses our businesses are almost like our child for us, right? Um, we nourish it and we go all in. And I see people burning out much more, not from the jobs that they don't like, but actually from what they love. And because we love something that we do so much, we go all in and we forget about our personal health, both physical and mental and all of this. So I would advise, right, or uh, I would say not to forget and put the mask first on yourself because the more the fool you are, the more you will be able to share with the world. Yeah, uh, so taking care means a lot. And the second thing I would, like the one last thing I would say is to also super banal, but to remind, to enjoy the journey itself. Because if we are only waiting for the result, you know, to raise a, like a round of investments to get to this KPI or to do this or that, it's um, this result moment is actually super short. And we get this dopamine uh, injection in a way, but it lasts for like a day or two, maybe a week, and that's it. But life actually consists of, you know, of, uh, of everything, what we do every single day. So um, I would say choose what you're working on or like really try to enjoy the process itself uh, without waiting for the, only the results to come. Enjoying the process. Those are wise words indeed. That can mean a lot of different things, right? Yeah, thank you so much. We really appreciate your time and it's a pleasure. And I did manage, I, I thought I knew a lot about you, but I did manage to actually learn quite a bit about you as well. 
Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for being here. I hope uh, I tried to go a little more personal, not what like what is publicly available, you know, everywhere. And um, yeah, thank you for having me. It was really an honor in general to be a part of this community and to come back for a little bit uh, again today. Thank you so much, Sarah. And we really do appreciate it. All right. Then have a great day, everyone. Yes. Yes, have a great day and a great evening, depending on what hour it is for you. Yeah, thank you. Have a great day. This has been Nancy and Spencer on Founders Voyage Weekly Podcast. Our speaker each week can be reached through our Discord server. Our intro and outro music is from the song Something for Nothing by Reverend Peyton's Big Damn Band. We'll be back again next week for another episode. Until then, have a great day and continue your voyage.